Welcome to the Journey Church Podcast, where as a church, we believe that Jesus should be accessible to anyone. So if you're at home, work, or somewhere in between, you can have access to the weekend worship experience. We'd love for you to stay connected with us by visiting us at journeyorl.com or any social media platform using at journeyorl. Thanks for being with us, and we really hope you enjoy this message. Well, today is a special day for two reasons. One, I don't know if you've ever been a part of something bigger than yourselves, but you are not just in a room with hundreds of people. This is one of three services today. There will be over 1,000 people here at church today. But you are not just one group of people in one room. How does it feel to know that all over the country and all over the world today, Different rooms from different cultures in different languages are going to be celebrating the resurrection of Jesus. You are one of millions, billions of people who today are celebrating the resurrection of our Lord Jesus Christ. It just feels good to be a part of something bigger. And then also the second reason uh, that today, today makes special is because I've got a special announcement to make to you guys. And y'all know the building that we have begun to lease that is going to become our permanent home, Orlando Live Events. Here's a picture of it. Here's a picture of it. It's uh, great. It's on Cimarron, and uh, you've probably seen it or drove past it if you live anywhere near uh, this building. It is big, and it is blue. And uh, today, I get to tell you um, that we've had it now for quite a bit of time, and the renovations are underway, and we are going to be getting into the building on, next picture, May 2nd, 2021. That is one month from today. Now, really quickly, as you look at that picture, two things. Sorry, Journey Church Online, I know you can't see me, but two things really quickly as you see this picture. One, I cannot guarantee you that this is what the building will look like on May 2nd. <laughs> like, no promises. And number two, you see that little asterisk? Yeah, yeah that, that's because I also can't guarantee it's going to be May 2nd. But, <laughs> but, but we are working so hard. You can take it off the screen. We are working so hard. And uh, we believe that that is when we're going to get in there, and mostly because uh, we, we, we love Trinity Prep, but we are ready. We are ready to have a, a stake in the ground to let people know that Jesus is going to come alive on Easter. Yeah. He's alive every day since then, and he's ready to change lives and transform lives. If you believe it, say amen. amen. All right, well, I want to begin today's message with the, uh, maybe what might sound like a bit obvious of a question, but is there anybody here today who has heard the story of Easter Sunday? Yeah, yeah I would imagine that there would be a couple. If not, let me just recap you real quick <laughs> on our last episode. Um, what happened, God became a man, Jesus, the Son of God, lived a perfect life, died on Friday, and three days later on Easter Sunday, this day, over 2,000 years ago, resurrected from the dead. He died to pick up all of our sins, all of our pain, all of our illnesses, and he resurrected so that we could have a brand new life. When he came out of the tomb, which is why we celebrate, it wasn't just him coming out of the tomb, but it was us coming out of the tomb as well. Now, if that's the story of Easter that you know, may I suggest to you that you've only heard the story of what happened that Sunday morning. But do you know what happened that Sunday night? John 20, 19, that Sunday night. And I want to talk about, and I wanted to highlight the word night, because I have found in my life that most people don't highlight their night. They only highlight their day. And how many people know you are different sometimes during the day than you are at night? Here is a picture of me during the day. I love my wife. She is so awesome. Uh, my wife is one of the people in the family who takes all the photos. Raise your hand if you were that person in your family. You want to capture every moment. Yeah, I see mostly females have risen up their hands and... 
And we're grateful for my wife. We say thank you, mommy, all the time because she makes sure that we capture these amazing moments. Um, but if there's uh, something else that we say, there's another three words that we say after thank you, mommy, it's don't post that. Because while mommy takes amazing pictures like this of me and the boys, and she usually posts something at the bottom of it on Instagram, like, that's my pasta, what a great word, he's so sexy, she stuff like that she'll put on the bottom. There are sometimes, this is the picture she posted of me Sunday morning, but I'm going to show you the picture she wanted to post of me Sunday night. Here's the picture of me Sunday night. <laughs> now, take a good look, because this photo ain't going to be on the screen for long, okay? This is... This is a very bad photo. Um, you know, I'm, first off, I'm in my house slippers, okay? Um, I, I got my hairs all jacked up. Um, I got my tank top on. There's way too much thigh in this picture, way too much thigh in this picture. And, and she would have the audacity uh, to post this picture, and she would beg me, come on, can I post this? Can I post this? And I'm like, absolutely not. You can't post this. Go ahead, take that picture down immediately, please. Yeah. And, and, and hopefully you can down right now. Take it down. And, and you got to take that photo down. And here's the crazy thing. It's the same person at different times. I know who you are on Sunday morning. Matter of fact, you look really good today. But what will you look like tonight? Like, I know you came to church today. But where will you be tonight? Everybody watching online, props to you. You are watching a church service today. But what will you be watching tonight? We come in the building with joy, but is there joy in the night? We come in the building this morning with hope, but is there hope in the night? I want to talk about the night, the Sunday night of Easter, because Liz will beg me, and then she'll say something like this when she posts it. she go, you look so good. Last her trying to get me to post, you look so good. And I'm like, you only say that because you love me. All versions of me look good to you. Most people don't love me. Most people are going to look at that picture and they're going to judge me. I just want you to know the wonderful, beautiful thing about God is that he doesn't just love the day version of you, but he loves the night version of you as well. The worst side of you, the part of you that's not put together, the part of you that got too much thigh showing. Jesus loves that part of you. He loves that part of you. Listen, you post the best part of you, you'll get a lot of likes. But when you show the worst side of you, you know, you might not get likes, but that's how you find love. When someone can look at the worst part of you and want that part of you as well. I'm just saying, I'm glad that you came today, but the part of you that Jesus wants to minister to is not the part of you that came to church today. The part of you that Jesus wants to minister to is the part of you that goes home tonight. That's the part that he wants to change. So John 20, 19, that Sunday night, the disciples were meeting behind locked doors because they were afraid of the Jewish leaders. This is not the best version of the disciples. This is not the version of the disciples that's casting out devils and demons and healing people. This is the night version of the disciples, and they are afraid, which makes no sense because this is on Easter Sunday. Aren't they supposed to be celebrating on Easter Sunday? I know what you're thinking. Maybe nobody told them that Jesus had come back to life. But the truth is that by this point in the day, they've already been told four times that Jesus has come back from the dead. Four times, and they refuse to believe it. And it helps to understand their position when you understand that these are not just people, listen to me, but that these are also human beings. Not just characters, but human. Stop looking at the people behind me. Look at me. These are not just people. <laughs> listen, listen, listen. These are human beings who just lost their best friend three days ago. So maybe, what do they say? They're in grief. What's the first step of grief? Denial. 
So maybe they're in denial of the resurrection because they're still in denial of the crucifixion. Maybe they can't believe that he's resurrected because they still can't believe he died. Maybe they're still living in the fact that he's gone. Listen, these guys were Jewish boys. They grew up Jewish boys. They were told from when they were children about the Messiah and who Jesus is. They walked with him. They saw Jesus walk on water. He made promises to them. They had experiences with Jesus. They felt accepted. They felt, they felt love. They felt like they were a part of something bigger than themselves. A week ago before that very day on Sunday, there were people with palm branches on the street just worshiping Jesus and loving Jesus. Jesus had created this world for them, and they were so excited to be a part of it. And in a moment, pop, it was gone. In a moment, everything they built their life on was gone. Let me give you the title of today's message, and maybe it'll, it'll minister to you a bit. Come on, let's bring that out there real quick. Yeah. The title of today's message is When Your Bubble Pops. When Your Bubble Pops. Do you know what a bubble is? The bubble, man, is where you have fun. It's where it's comfy. But most important, your bubble is where you feel safe. So before I'm going to ask you if you've ever had a bubble pop, let me first ask you what is your bubble? Because we all have a bubble. You're watching me right now. I guarantee you, you have a bubble. Your bubble, I'm going to give some of them. Your bubble might be education. Yeah. Because you were told as a little kid, if you study hard and get good grades, you'll go to a good college, Valencia, and you'll go. <laughs> some of y'all, that was all you could go. It's okay. Jesus still loves you. And you go to a good college. And then and if you go to a good college, you get a good job with good money. But one day... You graduated with two pieces of paper, one diploma, and one called a student loan. <laughs> and, you, and you graduated, and you went out, and you started filling out one application after one application after one application, but you have not been able to find one job. Then all of a sudden, the bubble of education pops. Can do in your life what you said would do. So for some of you go, well, Pastor, that's cool, but I don't really need the education because I already got a job. Ooh. I already got a job. And my job is so good. My job got benefits, Pastor. My job got uh, health insurance, dental insurance, life insurance. I got insurance for my insurance. I got so much insurance. I got a 401k, IRA, 403b, you know me, OPP. I got it all. It's good right here. That's awesome. Your job must make you feel really secure. Your job must make you feel really safe. Unless one virus gets one person sick, that gets one person sick, that gets one person sick, and you live in a city like Orlando that gets 40% of its economy from one industry, tourism, and it all shuts down, and you become one of the 75,000 furloughed workers, one of the 10% of people unemployed here in Central Florida, then all of a sudden that job that felt so secure, pop. But you might think it's okay, I don't need a job because I got, ooh, I got money, buddy. 
I don't need that. I got money. And this money, ooh, makes me feel so secure. Pastor, it's okay. I took Dave Ramsey's class. I got three months emergency fund. It's all saved in my account. I got three, fun, got three months emergency fund. It's good. I got all my money tied up in the stocks and the bonds and the Bitcoin. I'm good. I got it all. That's what the people thought. That one day in 1928, when the market crashed, and they called it, they actually said when the stock bubble Bursts. That's why people thought in 2008 when they had their home and they had like $300,000 of equity in their home and they started taking out equity loans. They're like, oh, I got my house. my house keeps me safe and secure. And then the housing bubble bursts. You might think, well, that's all speculation. That would never happen to me. Last Sunday, as God is my witness, I met a woman in the lobby who said, Pastor, your sermon was so powerful. But she said it with tears in her eyes, which I mean she was going through something. When someone tells me the sermon is powerful, it's because they were going through something. With tears in her eyes, she says, I got to tell you my story. She said, last week, someone stole my identity and took $50,000 out of my savings account. I lost my entire savings in one day. Money feels secure until pop. And some of you, I know what you're thinking. You're like, well, that's okay. I don't, I don't need an education. I don't need a job. Even if I don't have money, it's okay because I got a relationship. Yeah, I don't need money. I don't need a house. I don't need a car. Cause I got you. And some people want it all. But I don't want nothing at all. If it ain't you, baby. If I got you, baby. Sorry, let me stop, let me stop, let me stop. And you get, and you get in this relationship and it's awesome. But what you don't know is that when you got in this relationship, you also created a bubble, like literally, like you stopped hanging out with people. Nobody can get in your relationship bubble. And it's okay because love, 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 all I need is love. It's great. This is nice, right? We should see how long they got this rented out for. Until one day, you find your wife's phone and there's one text message from someone you don't know that leads to one question when she gets back home. Who this? <laughs> and that one answer. Pop. I know some of y'all thinking, you're probably like, well, my wife would never do that to me. My husband would never do that to me. As long as we take care of each other, we're all good. That's cool. I believe it. I'm not saying that that's a possibility. But you know what might be a possibility? that through no fault of your own, a drunk driver on I-4, and then this whole thing that you put all of your security in, just like that, pop, pop. Give it up for Pastor Liz. See, the problem is, as comfortable as this is, it's still a bubble. And it only takes one Nail. I'm not going to do it. I'm not going <laughs> to. It only takes one nail to pop the bubble. Doesn't it make sense now why the disciples could see Jesus walking on water, raising Lazarus from the dead, the skin of a leper regrow, and with all of those miracles and with all of that faith, all it took to pop their bubble was one nail in the left hand.
One nail in the right hand. One nail in the feet. And their bubble was popped. One nail. And a part of me wants to tell you, Jesus is the answer. A part of me wants to tell you that, man, if you give your life to Jesus, Jesus will be your bubble. And, but here's the problem. The preacher in me is fighting the person in me. Because while the preacher in me wants to tell you that, the preacher in me that lives on this pulpit, the person in me who lives in the world also knows that for some of you, Jesus, well, even Jesus pops sometimes. See, when you gave your life to Christ, you didn't know it, but you got in a Christian bubble. Yeah, and, and, and some of you, you didn't even have a choice. Maybe you're like me. You grew up in church. Your parents just threw you in the bubble. You just got thrown. And it's cool to live in your Christian bubble until, until something happens in the world or in your life that pops your Christian bubble. Maybe it's a tragedy. Maybe it was a prayer you prayed that fell to the ground. Maybe it wasn't a prayer that fell, but a pastor that fell. Destroyed your confidence in the church. Destroyed your confidence in the faith. You saw something on the news. Maybe it was your Christian friends who were supposed to be with you and never talk about you, but the gossip started happening in the church and it hurt you. And all it took was one and it popped. See, a bubble is anything that promises a security that it cannot deliver. And so if that's you today, because here's the thing, sometimes it pops and it just blows up. But you know what happens most of the time, especially with faith? If I would have pricked this with, the, with, the, with this nail right now, you know this thing wouldn't blow up, right? You know what would happen though? It would create a small hole. And over time, what would happen is it would... Some of y'all, your faith didn't blow up. But something happened and it started deflating. And over time, little by little, there was less and less Unless I'm speaking to anybody today who feels deflated because the thing you found security in has popped on you. If that's you, let me encourage you. Jesus resurrected in the morning, but he ended up revealing himself to the disciples at night. If you are in your night right now and your bubble has popped, you are in the perfect position to meet the resurrected Jesus Christ this morning. I promise you that. I promise you that. So what do you do? What do you do if your bubble pops? Here's my first point. Start writing it down if you're taking notes. If your bubble pops or when your bubble pops, get out. Get out. Because God never wanted you in that bubble in the first place. It is a misconception that God is a bubble. And then if I'm a Christian, nothing bad is going to happen in my life. God never said that, but I know where the theology comes from. It comes from Job chapter 1, verse 10. This is a verse that a lot of Christians know. The devil is talking to God because he's trying to go after this guy named Job, and he can't seem to get at this guy named Job. And so the devil has a meeting with God, and he says, excuse me, God, of course Job worships you. Have you not put a hedge of protection around him and his household and everything that he has? And so this is where the Bible verse comes from. God is your bubble. You get in there and nothing bad will ever happen to you because there's a hedge of protection. And there's only two problems with that theology. Number one is that it comes from the story of Job. You know, the guy who lost his wife, kids, all of his money, and his health. So yeah, put that into the context. And two, he never said, I will keep you safe. He said, I put a hedge, not of safety, but a hedge of and protection is different than safety. If I stay home, I feel safe. I feel safe in home. But if you put a bulletproof vest on me, 
put me in the back of a squad car and take me for a ride along in the worst neighborhood in Central Florida, I don't feel safe. I feel protected because I got the police, I got the bulletproof vest, hopefully I got something I'm packing too, you know. I, I feel protected, but I won't feel safe. This is the thing. Bubbles promise safety. God never promises safety. He promises protection. He's not a bubble. Let me tell you what God is. Genesis chapter 15, verse 1. After all these things, all these things being a war that Abram fought. After the war, this word of God came to Abram in a vision. Don't be afraid, Abram. I am your. God is not a bubble. He's a shield. He's a shield. And it's a big difference because the bubble is there to protect you from the battle. You're not even going to get see a battle. Nothing bad's ever going to happen to you. But God says, no, I'm going to be your shield in the battle. When the enemy comes to attack you, I'm going to defend you. This Bible verse, the one that we say to keep us in the bubble, is the one guaranteeing that the enemy will attack us. Let me ask you a question. How did the devil even know that there was a hedge of protection around Job? Unless he threw some attacks his way. It's the evidence of it all. That's why I love Ephesians 6, 16, what it says. In all circumstances, take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming what? All the flaming what? Of the evil one. That's why you better get out of your bubble because the devil don't throw hands, he throws darts. And if you, you can get a bubble if you want, but the devil is a master bubble popper. He throws darts. It's what he does. Whatever you put your trust in, he will do his best to blow it up. It's what he does. And the reason why God allows it is because he loves you. I have two sons. If you're new to the church, one name is Zane. The other is Justice. One is seven. The other is nine. Just turned nine. Man, I nailed their age. Um, and, y'all, my oldest son just had his first experience with bullying. His first experience with bullying. He's a kid who lived across the street. And they were playing basketball, and Justice, it's my fault, you know, I haven't really been practicing with him basketball a lot, and he couldn't get the ball in the hoop, and the kid said, you know, you need to be playing on the baby hoop, because you play basketball like a baby. And then and, and Justice, you know, was hurt, you know, and came inside, and we found out what happened, and, you know, good parents, you know, we try to encourage them, you know, tell them all the stuff, don't worry about what people think about you. But the other day, the other day, the other day, this kid who, who was borrowing Justice's skateboard. Justice let him borrow because Justice doesn't really like it, so he let him borrow his skateboard. Liz saw this boy who bullied my son outside of our house on my son's skateboard. And what you don't know about Pastor Liz <laughs> is there is a side to this woman. There's a side. That's why she only preaches once a year because the rest of the year she's... And she came in, and she, she told me, and she said, she, she, said, she said, you don't know what I almost did. I, I, I saw him. I saw the bully, and, he, and he, was on, he was on Justice's skateboard. She said, baby, I almost went over there and told him, if Justice is too big for the basketball, it's too small for the basketball, you're too big for the skateboard. Yoink, almost took it. Almost took it. <laughs> said, but I didn't. And we talked about it. I said, baby, I'm glad you didn't. Because as parents, what do you want to do with your kids? Right? As a parent, you want to put your kids in a bubble, but what you don't know is that in your effort to keep them safe, sometimes you unintentionally keep them small. We said, we got, we got to let him fight his, 
his own battles. God loves you too much to leave you in your bubble because there is comfort in the bubble, but there is courage outside the bubble. You can, you, you can, you can uh, get relaxed inside your bubble, but as long as you stay in your bubble, you will never grow beyond your bubble. Uh, in the bubble, you can learn to bounce. Which is why that's all you do when trouble comes. You bounce. Because it's all, it's all you learn growing up. When things get hard, I bounce. When the relationship gets hard, I bounce. When Jesus gets hard, I bounce. When the job gets tough, I bounce. But if you get out the bubble, you don't learn how to bounce. You learn how to, you learn how to fight. And God wants to teach you not to bounce when things get tough. He wants to teach you how to fight for your marriage, how to fight for your faith, how to fight for your money, how to fight for your dreams, how to fight for your purity. God doesn't want to teach you how to bounce. He wants to teach you how to fight. So when your bubble pops, get out. You weren't supposed to be there in the first place. And when your bubble pops, get under. Because if faith is not a bubble but a shield, you don't, you don't get in. You, you get under. Because when, when they shot arrows, they shot them like in 300, you know, like. So, so you, if you had a shield, you would get under. You would get under. You want to talk about bubble popping? How about the bubble of the Israelites when they left Egypt? If you don't know the story, they were slaves for 400 years. This guy named Moses comes in and says, guys, God told me he's going to take you to a promised land. Y'all got to be slaves no more. And they were like, woo, woo. And then they started moving and the Red Sea split. And they were like, yo, promised land. And I bet they were having conversations like, yo, this promised land going to be lit. It's going to be so good. He said, there's going to be milk. There's going to be honey. There's going to be cows. It's going to be amazing. I'm going to get a house. You get a house. You get a house. We all get a house. And they come out of the promised land. They come out of, the, of Egypt and they walk into a desert for 40 years. Pop, <laughs> have you ever had a promise, Pop? It wasn't supposed to look like what it looks like. I remember when my wife and I took our, our 10-year anniversary to Rome. She went off all the photos on Expedia, and we rented this room in Rome. And when we got there and we opened the door to our room, the room in the building did not look <laughs> like the room on the website. And, and, and they were, they were, I said, what were some of the things that were happening? She's like, you don't remember? You turned on the shower and it shot up. <laughs> like the water went up. It didn't go down. It went up. <laughs> she was like, there was a hole in the wall. There was stuff dropping from the ceiling. She said, Liz, that's the side of Liz you don't know. She went over to the, to the guy at the counter. She said, this does not match this. You best believe she got her upgrade. Yes, she did. She said, I want the one on the picture. <laughs> Have you ever been in something that doesn't look like it's supposed to do it? <clears throat> the desert is the worst, man. I don't know if you've ever been there or not. You got vipers, scorpions, no water. And the worst part, the weather. The weather's the worst part. The, de the desert at, at, during the day, temperatures rise to over 100 degrees Fahrenheit. But at night, temperatures drop to an average of about 25 degrees Fahrenheit in a desert. 100 during the day, 25 at night. They wanted to be in the bubble, temperature control. They went out there in the elements. But remember, God is not a bubble. He's a what? Shield. 
So look what God does. Exodus 13, 21. By day, the Lord went ahead of them in a pillar of cloud. And by night, in a pillar of fire. So they could travel by day or night. I know you missed it. Because if you had caught, and I've read, I've read this story my whole life, and I missed it. Because had you caught it, you'd be shouting at the top of your lungs. Because it was hot during the day. So during the day, he became shade. And they were cold at night. So during the night, he became fire. He said, just because I allow the circumstances, don't get it twisted. I'm still in control when it seems like the circumstances are not. But only if you get under the shade. When God fails people, most people run away from God. You popped my bubble, God, so I'm out. You said in the word this would happen. It didn't. I'm out. I'm, not, I'm leaving you. And God says, but you don't understand. The world is always going to be the world. The only hope you have of getting through this grief, the only hope you got of getting through this pain, the only hope you got of getting through this season is if you stay under my cloud, if you stay under my fire, if you stay under, I can cover you in the desert. Don't run away from church because somebody hurts you. Get under good leadership. Don't run away from God because you think God hurt you. Get under grace. Get under so that God can get you. Are you ready? When your bubble pops, this is my last point. Get through. Get through. Get through. Get through. Let me finish the story, John 20, 19. That Sunday night, the disciples were meeting behind locked doors because they were afraid of the Jewish leaders. And suddenly... Jesus was standing there among them. He showed himself at night. Let's see the disciples' response. Standing there among them, peace be with you, he said. And as he spoke, he showed them the wounds in his hands and his side. And they were filled with joy. I just want to pause right there. What a weird thing to be filled with joy about. And I go, oh my gosh, is that a spleen? I always wondered what a lung looked like. There I go, I could, peekaboo, there you are. Why were they joyful at his wounds? Whatever the reason, we see it again in Luke. Same story, different storyteller. Luke 24, 38 through 39. He said to them, why are you troubled and why do your doubts rise in your mind? Look at my hands and my feet. Do you see the theme? It's happening again in Thomas's life because now Thomas was one of the 12 disciples. He wasn't there in the room when Jesus revealed himself. And so later on in John 20, let's put it on the screen, but Thomas, one of the 12, was not with them when Jesus came. The other disciples told him, we saw the master. But he said, unless I put my finger through the nail holes and stick my hand through his side, I won't believe it. I won't believe it. Eight days later, his disciples were again in the room. This time Thomas was with them. And Jesus was like, boop. <laughs> Jesus came through the locked doors again, stood among them and said, peace to you. Then he said to Thomas, <laughs> he's like, I heard you. Put your finger through the nail holes. Put your hand through the wound in my side. Don't be faithless any longer. Believe. Yes, Some people yeah, can't believe until they're told it. Other people can't believe until they see it. But most people won't believe until they go through it. Wow. But when you go through it, 
And you see, think about this. Jesus resurrected, right? Say, yeah. yeah. <laughs> he could have resurrected in any form he wanted to. If, if, he'd, if he could have resurrected, don't you think plastic surgery is like light work for Jesus? Couldn't have he, you know what I'm saying, rub some uh-huh. Jesus juice on that? and <laughs> Like, that's the easiest part. But he chose to resurrect with the holes in his hands and the holes in his feet because he didn't want to hide what he'd been through. And he wanted to make sure Thomas saw it. And the disciples saw it. And I think the reason why they lost their mind out of joy when they saw it because they, they got the message. They got the message that death is not just something we all get to, which is the message of the world, but that death is something with Jesus' help you can get through. That death does not have to kill you. Let me put it this way, and this might resonate with you, that the end of your blank is not the end of you. Let me bring it home. The end of your career is not the end of you. This one is a little funny. Unless you're in it, then it's not funny. It's serious. The end of your, go ahead, put it up, credit score. Some of y'all got into debt during this pandemic. You don't know how you're ever going to be able to qualify for a loan again. The end of your credit score is not the end of you. The end of your loved one is not the end of you. While we're on that note, the end of your health is not the end of you. The end of your success is not the end of you. And maybe this will resonate with somebody like it resonated for me in my life, but also the end of your pregnancy is not the end of you. If that seems like something weird to throw up there, you don't know my story. The year before Journey Church started, my wife and I were pregnant with our third child, and we were for sure it was going to be a girl. Turned out being a boy. We were so excited to have this third son join the Weedham Boys crew at the house. And seven hours after being born, he passed away in my arms, suffocating in my arms. I watched him wrestle for breath as the life left him with worship music playing in the back. And people ask me, how long did it take? It's been six years now. People ask me, how long did it take to get over it? (laughs) Get over it? I've never gotten over it. I got through it. I got through it. I, I got out of my bubble. I got out of my Christian bubble and said, you know what? Just because I serve God doesn't mean my life's going to be easy and bad things will never happen. I got out of that bubble. And then instead of running away from the God who allowed it, I got under him. I got under his shade. I'm going to get even more involved in church. I'm going to preach even. The devil messed up because I'm going to preach harder than I've ever preached before. I'm going to love harder than I've ever loved before. I'm going to get under. And wherever the shadow goes, I go. I'm going. And can I be real honest? And some days I'm still just getting through it. Still just getting through it. But I had to get through it. Why? To finally believe. Listen, there's things you think you believe that you won't really believe until you go through it. My son died. By the way, his name was Journey. Catch this. 
You know how I know God resurrects people? Because I'm talking to you. I'm preaching here today at in our fourth Easter. Journey died. And journey resurrected. So when someone sees you crying and come over to counsel you, tell them, thank you, I appreciate your attention, but don't worry about me. <laughs> I'm just going through. <laughs> it won't be long. I'm just going through. When your soul tries to speak to you at night and says, it's over. This thing you're going through right now, it's going to kill you. Your life is going to die with that relationship. Your life is going to die with that job. You go, I hear you, soul. But listen to me, soul. Don't get too crazy. We're just going through. We're just going through right now. We're just going through right now. When the devil tries to roll a stone over your life and tell you that you are dead and you are never coming back from it. Look the devil in the eye and tell him, hold on devil, you might not want to put that stone too close. Cause I'm just going through it. And I know that the God who allowed it is going to resurrect me and bring me back to life. I know it, I know it, I know it. Please stand, please stand all over this building. He's a resurrecting God. You're standing in a resurrection. It happens. And it can happen to you. Look at me, look at me, look at me. The end of your career is not the end of you. The end of your relationship is not the end of you. Here's the one I want to close on because this is so important. The end of your life is not the end of you. I don't know about you, but in the last 12 months as a pastor, I've seen more death than the last 12 years of my life put together. It's not even always just COVID. People dying of cancer, people dying in car accidents, people dying in, in hate crimes. I've seen more death. Found out one of, my, one of my friends, good friends passed away last night. Can I tell you something that might sound depressing, but I promise you I'll encourage you. Did you know that life is a bubble. Now we don't talk about death a lot in society because who wants to do that? It's depressing. But you need to talk about it because you need to know that one day this life, one day, maybe 30 years from now, maybe 30 days from now, that part's not guaranteed. But what is guaranteed is that 100% of us, 100% of us, one day, this bubble will pop. And when this bubble pops, The story of Jesus is that your life doesn't have to pop with it. There's eternal life when this bubble pops. There's a life beyond this life, and this is what Jesus came to give you. Death is coming for every one of us. When the bubble pops, who will you put your trust in? Oh, this is the message. I put my trust in Jesus, my shield, my shield. And I know what you're thinking. You're thinking, well, that's cool because if my bubble pops, I'm going to heaven because I'm a good person. Oh, you're a good person? <laughs> I hate to pop that bubble. <laughs> but you and me, we're not good people. All you need is one pandemic and we start killing people for toilet paper. We are not good people, y'all. We are not good people. But that's okay because Jesus became the righteousness that we can never earn on our own. He became the faith and the love and the life that we can never 
be on our own. He knew that the bubble, the Bible pops our bubble. So get out of it and get under grace. There's grace for you today. There's grace for you today. So if you're in this room and you would say, you know what, it's been a long time since I've been in church or I've never been in church and I've heard about Jesus, but I realize he's always been my bubble. I grew up as a Christian, but I never really, or you lost somebody, it's gone. You want to start fresh today. Jesus, Jesus, Jesus is there to give you life when the bubble pops. So all over this room, if you want to receive Jesus as your Lord and Savior this morning, when I count to three, here's what I usually do if you come to our church. I usually say, bow your head, close your eyes. On the count of three, raise your hand. But today, with so many people in the room, I want to do something that I think is going to stir faith. Not with heads bowed and eyes closed, but with every head up and eyes open. If you're in this room today, I'm not going to ask you to do anything other than raise your hand, but you want to see Jesus in your heart. You want to start this brand new life. On the count of three, I want you to raise your hand in the sky. Yes, I need Jesus in my life. On the count of three, shoot it up high. I'm ready to start new. I'm ready to get out of my bubble. When I say three, all over this building, heads up, eyes open. You want Jesus in your life. On one, forget who's looking. On two, life will never be the same today. It's not going to be easy. You're not in the bubble, but he'll be your shield. He'll protect you. On three, if you want Jesus, all over this room. One, two, three, right now. Hands up, 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 hands up. Come on, look around, look around. You're not alone, you're not alone. You're not alone. We got hands up all over the building. You're not alone, you're not alone. You're not alone, you're not alone, you're not alone. Come on. Repeat this prayer after me right now, all over the building. Jesus, I'm coming out of the bubble and I'm picking up my shield that is faith in you forgive me for my life prior I'm ready to start new today in Jesus name I pray amen and amen come on welcome to the family welcome to the family we hope you've enjoyed this message and we would love to hear your story and how this ministry is changing your life please email us at amen at journeyorl.com. And if you would like to support financially, you can give online at journeyorl.com give. If you're in the area, join us on Sunday for the full experience. Have a blessed week.